You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited that you're joining me for the 59th episode. I think that is so wild that there are 59 episodes of Dear Multi-Hyphenate, and what's so interesting is if you listen to the the first episodes, it's pre-pandemic, and now so many of the conversations are dominated by what we've learned about ourselves in this pandemic, how the industry has shifted, shifted, that's the word, <laughs> am I okay, hello, um, but uh, I'm, I'm so... I'm so happy and ecstatic about the conversations I've I've been able to have, made new friends. And if you want to share your story, if you want to come on the podcast, follow me at Dear Multi-Hyphenate on Instagram or submit on my website, DearMultiHyphenate.com. Fill out a form. Let me know what you want to talk about. I love meeting new people. And if you love this podcast, please rate, subscribe, comment, share, share, share with your friends and family. I just got a new review on Apple Podcasts from Joseph B., who says, It's excellent for creative people and gave me five stars. Michael Kushner curates lovely conversations with amazing guests. Importantly, he gives people room to speak. Thank you for saying that because it's very important to me. For those who do many creative things, particularly but not necessarily in the arts, this podcast is a fabulous resource that shows we're not alone that there are indeed others out there wired and inclined as we are. Thank you so much for saying that. That means the world. And please, if you feel so inclined, leave a review and rate, subscribe. It really does help. And if you follow on Instagram, I'm starting to do community care posts, ways that uh, we don't just hold ourselves accountable, but hold our community accountable. And this one that I'm going to share is inspired by my dear friend, Ashley Kate Adams, who talks about this all the time and is the author of Be Your Own Producer, so make sure you check out that book and also our episode under Multi-Hyphenate. But if you're asking to go to coffee, pay for the artist coffee, and speaking of coffee, coffee is a lovely gesture. Bring your coach, photographer, stylist, whoever, their favorite order because it'll make their day. But it is not a proper exchange of services. Coffee should never be used as payment for someone's art, insight, and services. If you want to take an artist out to coffee, great, but pay them for their time. If you're an artist looking for the insight of another artist, please compensate them. Social dates are, of course, great, but are you just using this time to get something out of them? What is your motivation? 
If you're an artist and someone asks you for a coffee date, please make sure it is worth your time. I have been to many coffee dates where the artist picking my brain doesn't even pay for the coffee. Yes, that is true. Now, is that fair? Probably not. But you are the person who gets to decide how to spend their time. So please make sure that when you're spending time with someone else that it is an exchange. It's not just a give and take. It has to be an exchange. Multi-hyphenates. Our time is precious, so please make sure it, it is an exchange. I hope everyone had a Valentine's Day. If you uh, subscribe to corporate holidays such as that, but my boyfriend and I had a lovely time. We brought our puppy to the new hotel, Civilian Hotel in Hell's Kitchen. It is the first Broadway-themed hotel in Hell's Kitchen, designed by Tony winner David Rockwell. It is really, really beautiful and incredible, and it's puppy-friendly, which is so important. And their lounge is fabulous, with adorned with photos of backstage, dressing rooms, celebrities, performances, and in one of the rooms, there's this incredible exhibit behind glass doors. Idina's original Elphaba hat, uh, Natasha Richardson's uh, Don't, Tell, uh, Don't Tell Mama outfit, um, Cheetah Rivera's Kiss of the Spider-Woman shoes. I mean, it was really incredible. So check it out. That's Civilian Hotel. And do a little nice staycation if you're in New York City. Do a nice little stay staycation like we did. Um, but if you're out of town, book book your hotel there. And that way when you're done seeing your Broadway shows, the night, the Broadway night does not end there. I don't think you'll regret it. It's pretty incredible. Anyway, let's get on with this episode. Enough talking. Well, this is all talking, so more talking, but just let's move on. Am I right? Okay. Brian Jordan Jr. This episode is so great. I'm so excited for you to learn more about him. Brian Jordan Jr. is a classically trained actor, singer, and dancer who studied at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and the Debbie Allen Dance Academy. He has performed in Broadway national tours, off-Broadway, and in many of the country's most prestigious regional theaters before turning to television and film. He recently released a new upbeat motivational R&B track that encourages listeners to believe in themselves. He is currently starring in Tyler Perry's Sisters and has written two projects, one being a movie called Georgia Sky and the other being a musical called Riley. I really hope you enjoy this episode and talk to you soon. Enjoy. Hi, Brian. How are you? What's up, buddy? I'm well. How are you? I'm so glad that our uh, our mutual press rep uh, introduced <laughs> us so that we could talk. Yeah. So exciting, man. It's been, we, we've been trying for so long. I know. I think the first the first time that it happened, you were in the middle of moving? Yes. So where were you moving from? Where did you move to? From LA to Atlanta. Oh, to okay. So this is great. So I love talking about uh different places in which art can happen. Um mm -hmm. so you know I think people think it's just a bi-coastal thing. You're in New York, you're in LA. You're in New York, you're in LA. What drew you to Atlanta? Why did you end up in Atlanta? Oh wow. Well, I've actually been everywhere. So <laughs> I started I started in New York actually. And um when I left New York, I went to Atlanta first. 
mm-hmm. um, because of the, I wanted to transform, transform or, you know, transition to a TV and film from theater. And um, I, I felt like Atlanta would be easier for me to get jobs because the film industry there was just kind of, this was like 2016. And so it was, it was just beginning its boom. And so I felt that I would, you know, more easy, it would be more easy for me to book. Um, that that kind of happened, but not the way that I thought it would. And so then I was like, I'm leaving. I left Atlanta in like under a year and I went to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able, I found some success in LA after some struggle, of course. Um, but moving to Atlanta happened because I am on a television show that films in Atlanta. I'm a regular on a show. And um, which is great. I mean, I, I'm celebrating my fourth season right now, and um, the real estate in Atlanta is great. And I'm kind of yeah. get to the point of like maybe I should purchase real estate and be like an adult. And right. um, so that's what really moved me here. And also, um, Atlanta's. I mean, they shoot sixty percent of TV and film here now, and that's so amazing. it's. Oh, yeah, it's so much work. I literally moved to L.A. from Atlanta to book a job to come to Atlanta. Wow. (laughs) That's what it was. And so I think that sometimes Atlanta gets like pushed out of the conversation. But Atlanta is huge. There is a huge um, and this may get too technical or economic, but it's a huge tax credit when you film here. And so (laughs) a lot of filming happens here. I'm all about the technicality in my upcoming book. Um, I talk about, I have a whole section about figure, uh, figuring out, especially after the pandemic, right? When so much has been moved mm-hmm. virtually, figuring out the place that works for you. Like New York mm-hmm. and LA, while I love New York and I'm a New Yorker, I was born in Long Island and, you know, can't move to Florida, grew up in Florida. I was in New York all the time and this is where my family is. And, you know, there's, and this is where Broadway is. So, you know, New York mm-hmm. for, is for me, but what if, you know, what if I wasn't, you know, so obsessed with the Broadway community? Yeah. Do, do I have to be here? Could I, could I do something elsewhere? So, you know, in the book, I really, I, I have insight from people in North Carolina, from people in Miami, from people in DC, um, because all of these different theater and, and art towns, they're so, uh, they're same, same, but different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like where yeah. everyone has a common goal of creating and doing and existing. But um, but there are di- things that make each city different. So for Atlanta, <laughs> hearing about the tax cut, I mean, tell us more about Atlanta. Tell us more about why you think maybe people should should move to Atlanta and explore yeah. their artistry there? Yeah, I think that um, I would always recommend Atlanta for someone at the beginning of their career, especially if they want to have the duality of, you know, um, TV, film, and theater. Mm-hmm. Light on the theater, though, if I can be honest, the theater mm-hmm. here isn't fantastic, but New York is an hour flight away. Right. And that is that's part about Atlanta. It's on the it's on the same coast. I always say it's the same time zone. And so when you are like like I'll be traveling to New York tomorrow for a premiere that I think that you guys were just talking about. Like I'll I'll be going to that opening yeah. and I'm just getting on a flight in the morning and I'll be there, you know. Um and it's that's been great for me when it comes to being to working in New York because I've been able to just 
I work in New York locally because I have, I have a place there. But if I didn't, I would still be able to work locally. It's just a quick, you know, a quick flight. Um, Atlanta is a place where the cost of living is significantly cheaper than LA mm -hmm. and New York. Um, and I think that it's when you are at the beginning of your career and trying to figure out things where you belong and how to market yourself and where you fit and learning the people and learning the casting offices, especially in this time of virtual everything, I think that Atlanta is the place to be because it's still growing, which means mm -hmm. that you won't lose all, like spend all your money, but it's growing rapidly, which means that there is opportunity. Atlanta might be a good place to try out something new with yourself if you're a younger artist or a newer artist mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so where did, you, where did you go to school i went to undergrad at lsu amazing and then to graduate school at the tisch school i was in new york for four years wow good uh, and so it, just to be honest after i quit grad school because there wasn't a we didn't quite get through it was tough man i lost a fellowship and couldn't afford to pay for it but i um I lived in New York for four years and I did the circuit. I, you know, did the regional theater, did the workshops. Um, and I moved to Atlanta in, I moved to New York in 12 mm -hmm. and to Atlanta in 16. I want to talk to you about quitting because I have an interesting relationship with, you know, with failure and also putting myself first like and i feel like we're conditioned in this industry that anytime we have to do something for ourselves or because of a circumstance when we um put ourselves first or uh mm -hmm. or make a tough decision it's hard to sort of control the narrative or to sort of mm -hmm. um people please have you run into that like when you have to put yourself first like was there ever an oh. instance every probably every day yeah um you know what i find especially through therapy um and really doing the work to be able to fully foster like what i have and um understand um i guess understand the alignment of my passion with like my reality mm -hmm. um i learn that at its core this industry is literally about other people mm -hmm. But what drives us to do the work is all about us. And so it's a conflict. Mm -hmm. It's a conflict that makes no sense mm -hmm. at all. And, and I also have to accept that because you can't make sense of it. However, I believe that the only way to use yourself or have yourself as a vessel to be able to put forth any art is by taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so then, then we have to like deal with balance, mm -hmm. um, which is difficult. Because um, so many times in my life, I have, you know, you go all this time trying to get things and also being um, an object for people to either enjoy or not, to say yes or no, to continue to work with or not, to pay you or not, to determine if you'll eat or not, like those type of things. Um and it's very difficult to say, I, I, this is how I feel, because it kind of feel like, feels like it doesn't matter mm -hmm. um, in a lot of times. And so with that, with that, you know, situation that you were dealing with, I can fully, fully identify and sympathize with it because there's been so many times where I, who I'm like, 
people see me as revolutionary because I am the one who's going to stand up and say things. I'm the one that's like, no, like I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the beginning of my career, um, it looked like, you know, in the short form that it would affect me. Um, I spoke out a lot, a lot about racism and I'm, and I'm matriculated in very, um, for lack of better words, white spaces. I went to PWIs for undergrad and I went to NYU for graduate school. And I mean, honestly, I was a musical theater performer um, who sang, danced and acted. And that is a white industry. And so inside of that industry, I almost daily would either want to say something or build my, you know, built the courage to finally say something. And it was in a time, you know, where it wasn't as accepted. And so I lost a lot of opportunities because of it. But what I know is who I am today, the self that I've been able to build today is based on the honesty and the courage that I, it took to take care of myself in that moment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I personally believe that self-care is number one. I try to always include it in everything I do because you have to be able to sustain happiness within yourself. And if you're not taking care of yourself, then you begin to rely on the things that you're pleasing to please you. Mm -hmm. And no one would ever be pleased with everything that you do. Yeah. And that is a recipe for disaster because I, I, you know, I don't mean to speak for you, but I, I, I do really well with positive reinforcement. I love to hear great job. Hey, that thing that you did, that was really awesome. Like, I love that, you know? Okay, good. And what I've noticed is in environments that take that away from me, because I don't like playing with, I pride myself in removing ego from the spaces that I step into and I create. Um, Mm -hmm. because what we do is about the other, but because I am a vessel of that happening, it has to come from me. So it's Mm -hmm. this weird boundary setting of, I am willing to put my ego aside, but am I willing to be put through the ringer? Am I willing to be put through mistreatment? How much Mm -hmm. of that can I take? And I feel in spaces in the theater industry, we put ourselves through that because we are so worried about the next gig, mm-hmm. the next job, the the callback, the but really what's the most important is standing up for what's right and speaking out and creating yes. safe environments yes you know i it's um i think we really are in this this uh this moment where the industry is hopefully changing in those ways i i think because Mm. of the multi-hyphenate because of the art art entrepreneur the artist that is now engaging in a um in a business mindset Mm -hmm and is creating and is constantly uh providing themselves with work opportunities 
We don't mm -hmm. have to put ourselves, that's one of the positives and the pluses about being a multi-hyphenate is that we don't have to put ourselves in abusive environments anymore. Yeah, that's true. Because we are controlling the environment. Exactly. We're the ones that yeah. are, we are the ones that are not only controlling the environments, but we're the ones that are creating the environments. It's again, like, it's interesting that you say control because it's like control is such like a negative connotation, I think. Um, mm -hmm. we, we can control who gets to control the environments. Like we could literally be like, Hey, I have this, I I'm producing this new project. I want your energy behind the lens. I want your energy in the room. I think that you're going to be able to help steer this, con steer this, um, this project in a really positive and, uh, a, a really positive direction. I think control is so interesting. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I love collaboration. I feel the most um, artistic and the most present when I get to collaborate. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about collaboration? Because you have two, you have two mm -hmm. projects that we're going to talk about um, mm -hmm. that you've created and what is sort of your do you like being more in control do you like being more the person that is the one that is sort of going that is decision making or do you or do you like a collaborative environment hmm that's a that's such a textured question or right. i guess it's uh it, it requires a textured answer but i'll say this i love collaboration mm -hmm. and i believe that collaboration is the birthplace for brilliance mm-hmm because because when you include different perspectives and ideas and customs and traditions, then you're able to reach more people who have the different ideas and customs and traditions and you know perspectives. Um, when it comes to me as a producer, as a creator, I do enjoy being in control, especially with certain stories. And when I say certain stories, I mean black stories. Um, and there's nothing more to like, I believe that um, there has been a deficit of black stories in a major way in all industries of media and most all other things. Um, but in theater in particular, um, and also cinema, but theater is just, it is really like glaringly obvious that there's just a blatant neglect. Um, and so when I created Riley, the musical, which is my musical that I hope to, that I hope to see on Broadway in the next two years, I'm really working hard. Um, it's a musical about um, historical black colleges and universities. Um, and I, I think it's great. It's a comedy. The music's great. It's set in New Orleans. It's, I think it's a beautiful story. Um, but there is a, and I hope that I can speak freely here. There is always, um, I am someone who has studied Broadway up and down. Mm -hmm. I know it. I know the history. I love it. It is something that has been a part of my life for a long time. Um, there is, there was a lack of black content period, right? On Broadway. But a bunch of black performers um and so then we we were fighting for the four roles that we can get and fighting to be even in the shows that weren't about black stories just to have jobs 
and you know being excited about characters that were traditionally white being black after 10 years of the show's running and just taking that as like a, a honor and I'm like this is bananas but I was the one who was saying like this is bananas and so it looked different it's like why are you saying that like you're ungrateful or you have a problem with everything but here's the issue the American history and if you're telling if we're telling stories of American history we're telling stories of America the people of America it is deeply rooted in blackness and if we if we decide that we are not going to honor just a full part of American history then that's um disrespectful and also just inaccurate and in addition to that when I, the reason why I said was is because now we see we're seeing more um, shows with black subject matter, but the care that is taken isn't at the place where it needs to be. And so we see them, but they're closing in six weeks mm-hmm. and it's an engagement to start because they know that people aren't going to come and see it. And so my goal and I'm, I'm 30 years old. And so I feel like I have a, a few years to figure it out and to help people figure it out with it and not offend people and try my best. Mm-hmm. But my goal is for people to really understand that the same marketing that you use for Broadway with the audiences that have been welcomed to Broadway forever, white audiences, mm-hmm. um, you cannot use for the, the, you know, the things. And so just like Thoughts of a Color Man, a beautiful show. Um, and I have friends in that show, but they struggled with, you know, um, and I'm not sure what their numbers were or anything like that, but they obviously struggled. It was a limited engagement to start mm-hmm. because they you know, were working. But when it comes to cultivating the black audience to a place where it is felt elitist to us, it is felt like we weren't, you know, uh, accepted or invited and there was nothing for us to see for so long. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, oh, we have a black show. And I know it's a pandemic, but come and see it because Black Lives Matter just happened and we want to make money. That'll never happen. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so what needs to happen on Broadway is the right people who understand the insides of the Black community to come and bring the shows there. And so I believe that I've been blessed and privileged with an opportunity to be able to be on both sides. I grew up in inner city, low socioeconomic Black communities. But then I ended up being in, a, in the Broadway world. I went ended up going to Tisch School of the Arts. And so to be a part of both communities and to tell a Black story, it needs to be rooted in the truth. If you really want to get the people to come to the shows, you have to give them the show that they feel represented and they feel welcome to see. And so um, my leadership, my control, my creation literally comes from necessity. Not because I'm like, oh, I'm going to wake up today and I want to, I'm like, why is this story not being told? But everyone is taking from this culture. We see Beyonce doing the homecoming, uh, Coachella, and it was full on HBCU, which is Historically Black College University. And we see Lizzo doing her things, and we see everybody doing these things. Using Lil Nas X has the song, and his it's it's HBCU based, and all of the world loves this music, right? This is not just music for black people. These this is, these are black people presenting this to a mainstream audience who loves the songs and they love the dances and they want to do the things, but they don't even know the origin, you know, the origin of it. And the origin comes from schools that were built in a time where black people couldn't go to schools with white people, you know? And I think that's important to understand the origin because it, before it becomes mainstream and it's just something that we're all doing and no one knows what it is. No one understands the sacrifice. No one understands the 
the struggle that went into the hurt and the pain that went into the things that we love so much on TikTok today. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a long one. But yes, I love collaboration. I think that uh, the big people on Broadway, the big, you know, white and 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 other producers should look into collaborating to make these black shows great and to get the audiences out so that we can have a hit, like a hit black show. We, we haven't had that in a long time. We are we ready for a hit. Brian, thank you so much for that. Um, we're going to take a second uh, to hear words from our sponsors and we'll be right back. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. Um, so I love what you just said. Uh, it's these these are the conversations that we have we have to be having and something that i've found in in talking with uh, with the black community bipoc community is that also mm. black joy is missing yeah is that so much of the producers are profiting off of black trauma and mm-hmm. and i think that that is a really interesting um thing that we just that's why i love chicken and biscuits i love doug lyon's chicken and biscuits because it was predominantly about black joy and a slice of life in the black americans life something that i have never experienced before and i was able to i was able to just sit down and enjoy this moment of something that I could laugh along with, cry along with, and yeah. where I feel, I feel like the black artist was not exploited for exactly the, for the for the sake of the white audience to be to enjoy the show. Oh my, that's good, and also, <laughs> and also, how long did that one stay open though? Oh, honey, it they 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 had to. Um, closed for two per- two performance. They they closed for two performances, and that was enough to set their closing date. I I think it's ridiculous, and it's like, but I we know. can't. We also can't sit here and go the lot. Well, the Lion King's on Broadway and has lasted for so long. It's like, well, the <laughs> your face. It's like you know, it's it's yeah, the Lion King is a story about animals. Yeah, don't even. It is a story about animals made famous by Disney. Exactly. Exactly. And also, the Lion King can stand to miss two performances. Exactly. We need to have, we need to have more joyful stories. And you know, I, 
the perspective I can share is, you know, Jewish stories is that I constantly see as well. It's always stories about the Holocaust. It's always stories Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, Jewish grief and things like that. And when there is a comedy, it is so stereotypical and it's so surfaced and it's so just it's it's relatable to a point of like oh my grandma's best friend talks like that but you you know no one else in my life no one else in my life we obviously obviously there's a similarity there i think though there is this is tough there is an enjoyment that comes from period pieces for whatever reason to white people and also like (laughs) slavery and like holocaust and like any any kind of like struggle Mm -hmm. um and and even like post-slavery like you know right after the civil war is like a popular thing right now like i just read for a film and they're loving that thing where they the slaves thought they weren't slaves anymore but they really were kind of that thing they they love that one and and to me it is um a way to hold on to a place of privilege for the majority and to only talk about the stories that portray black people because that's what i will speak to in the light of lesser Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's so hard, like even when you look at like the color purple that did well, I think that was probably like the last black cast show to do well, and that was a revival. So even before that, the one before that one was the color purple, which sucks because it was just the original cast. But we cannot, and that was a story about the eighteen hundreds. Well, you know, early nineteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and it's just poverty, slavery, rape, and you got a Tony. And it's scary. That is scary. It's all, it's exploitation. That's what it is. It's all exploitation. And it's like, even the shit, like the, uh, I'm watching the Gilded Age right now. And, and, um, and it's, I mean, where there's another episode that was just released, um, tonight, uh, today it's out on every Monday and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. The acting is amazing. The acting is wonderful, but it's, you know, we're, we're in it's what what'd you say are there any black people at all i saw a preview and i didn't see one yep it's danae benton and audra mcdonald but we didn't know that yeah and the we thought for a second that it was maybe going to be had nothing to do with race and that it was actually going to be in whatever inclusive means in that in that setting you know yeah which that word is you know it's what yeah. what is that what is yeah. what is equitability what is inclusivity what is that um but no it's you know it's a it's another storyline about how the the black girl has good penmanship and so she's hired by christine baranski's character and she gets to have a job and things like that and it's like do we need yeah. to do we need that again do we need yeah. that one more time but it's also just like the way that as a black actor it's the way that we've been groomed to appreciate like roles it's just like because the truth is i'm sitting here saying that i would love to be that black girl who had good penmanship on the gilded age right now you know what i mean like 
and 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 we've been groomed to just be excited about those things. That's what I'm talking about, man. We fight. Those those are the roles that we're fighting over. Wow. And you know what's interesting is that these these struggles, these these identity, these questions about people's identity and like where they fit in stories. I'm a headshot photographer in the city, and it bleeds into it bleeds into the studio a lot because I and I have this. I have this in my welcome packet, but I say I will not entertain any questions of photographing uh, ethnic ambiguity because I have clients that will be like, I just need something that says like could be Jewish, could be Latinx. (laughs) And I'm like, well, no, (laughs) period. So – you know, I just feel like it's, I don't know, I, 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 I feel like no one is listening, but also no one knows what to do. And the people that are speaking out, the ones that are actually, you know, taking, unfortunately, the risk to fight for what is right, are the ones that are, you know, being, I, I, don't, I don't know if shamed is the right way, but mm. based on what you said in your experience, being mm-hmm. told you should be grateful, you should be doing this, yes, you should be that. Yeah, it's shamed, yep. Taunted and uh, placed aside. It's so many different words that could be used. It's a tough road, man. It's a tough yeah. road to feel like who you are without choosing, mm-hmm. without, you know, just who you were born to be is just not enough. And whenever you speak about equality or just wanting to be treated kindly, or get the same opportunity, um, then that's looked at as like complaining. Um, but um, you know, so so many things, man, um, have the potential to be the change, and it won't pull from anyone else. And I think that sometimes, because things have gone on so long, a certain way that there's a fear of things changing and things being taken away from the people who have had it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. For so long. Of course. And I wish that I could assure the people that we don't want what you have. <laughs> we have what we have. We would just want to be able to tell our stories to our people who spend their money on your things. And also we want you, if you want to take the opportunity to tell a black story, at least do us the honor of doing the work to present it correctly. Because in my life, to be able to be trained as an actor and to be trained as a singer and a dancer, I had to study very Western Europeanized styles of theater. I've trained in Shakespeare and I have not done Shakespeare in 10 years. Mm -hmm. My training is, I've trained more in Shakespeare than anything else. (laughs) Okay, I've trained ballet and I've trained all the classical training when it comes to voice and those are things that we have to learn to be able to compete with other people when i say hbcu when i talk about certain things most white people don't even know what it means because they don't have to know and so in the diaspora of african people coming to america in the slave trade from then until now the amount of experiences and the amount of sophistication that has happened without any assistance, without any help, is a story that could be told forever. There, there are so many stories that could be told 
from the and not just about the horrible time where we were stolen away from our homeland and you know brought here and you know forced to live in poverty and raped and lynched and murdered like it's we got it we got it and um there's so many other stories to tell they're beautiful stories in the same places beautiful stories of of triumph and beautiful stories of overcoming beautiful stories of love and education and creation of beautiful music most all music comes from uh like black people like it's just just those beautiful stories that have just been sitting away and thrown away it is my life's mission to be able to be the catalyst of those stories being not only told but told in the right way like with integrity with the correct quality you know and and done well and just not just thrown together and thrown up to say that we have something because i've seen some black shows um, on broadway i've done a lot of broadway stuff. i think i've this year alone i've seen everything like i've seen so many shows and i'm looking at the, a lot of the black ones like what is this yeah you know it's just it's, just, it's a lot of craziness happening and i know that we're better than that, but I think that in this time where um, black is trendy, hmm. um, I think that people are feeling like those who are not black feel like black is enough. And so if it's black, let's just do it. Instead of giving it the same care that you would give something that you know inherently, right? Doing the work to care about something in the same way that you care about the things that you already know is what I want people to do, like we have had to do. We've had to, I've had to care so much about things that I didn't know inherently. I, when I started school in New York, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I had a very heavy accent and I went to a speech pathologist three times a week to develop a standard American accent. Now what does standard American mean? You know what I mean? Like those things and now people are like where are you from and i'm like new orleans like oh you don't sound like it because people love the new orleans accent but i've lost it because i was assimilated and so that i could compete and succeed and of course like one would say oh you've been on a show for four seasons which that's a a blessing and sure but i could have gotten on this show with my accent right the blackest show in the world you know what i mean and so it's like it it, it, there's just a long line of just all kinds of things and i'll be talking all day kushner so i'm gonna stop now i i i want to hear everything you have to say you know one one question that we're talking about this time and black is trendy <laughs> which i think is that you said that and literally chills ran down my spine um but what do you think the future is going to look back at this specific time period and say well there'll be different uh views right there'll be the view of what the history books will tell people mm-hmm. it was true how revolutionary it was mm-hmm. and how beautiful it was and freeing it was for people and then there'll be the view of the people who will be told the truth and the true stories will be passed down to the generations just as we have the stories that are passed down from the civil rights era mm-hmm. and we are taught to believe that it was one thing and some of us know that it's something different um obviously it's something different because of what's 
currently happening now. Like, obviously, it wasn't so revolutionary because if it was, we weren't be dealing with we wouldn't be dealing with the uh, issues that we deal with now. But I believe that in the future, people will look at this as a renaissance, a wow. renaissance um, that was incited by the courageous will be words that will be used, but it also be violence it, and and people who you know, stood up in this time, in this, um, uh, I call it a racial pandemic. Hmm. In this racial pandemic, um, the people who stood up, I was there, I, I've, I've done, you know, some marches and I've done the things. Um, they will paint some of us as courageous people. They will paint others of us as violent. Hmm. And they will say that this war on racism incited a renaissance in so many different areas. And you know, with with the people who are getting these promotions and the people who are getting these top level positions or positions that look like top level, the the you know African American um, female vice president that we just got, we'll see those things in history books. We'll see, you know, because of this racial pandemic, these beautiful things happen. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the narrative that will be painted in, painted if you know history serves us correctly. That's what will be painted. Will be painted that. People fought for equality and they got it, <laughs> you know, like that's what it'll look like. And then there's going to be another sleeper period where there's going to be bottled up energy and microaggression and all those things. And we're going to have another period of until the end of time. It's so wild. It'll just continue to go. It'll just continue. It just takes a radical enough group because it kind of skips generations. Mm -hmm. And so it just take a radical enough group to realize that this is bullshit. It's like, you're lying. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's what happened with us. It's like, how many, literally, like, I'm like, I am someone who, I'm kind of a nerd. And so if I love something, I study it up and down. And when I was in grad school, um, my subject matter was black theater um, at large. But it ended up being black music theater. And then I realized that the amount of all African-American shows that had lived on Broadway since its inception. And I believe at that point, it was only like eight. Eight. Yeah. And, and, and I think that eight may be generous. I'm not sure. This was in 2013. I'm genuinely was, thinking of, I'm thinking of Bubbly Brown Sugar, Ain't Misbehaving. Yeah. Um, Cabin in the Sky. Cabin in the Sky, Raisin. Um, Raisin. Um, the Color Purple. Color Purple. Dream Girls. Oh, the Wiz. And then the Noise Bringing the Funk. So Shuffle Along, it's just, just a history theme mm -hmm. because I'm a nerd. Shuffle Along will be included in that eight. It's the eighth one because Shuffle Along was a show. That was a revival. Right. Audrey did a revival. Right. So it lived um, early on, but it's just crazy. Those are the ones. Yeah. Yeah. And and of those, the longest running run was The Wiz, mm -hmm. and it ran for four years. Mm -hmm. How long is Chicago run? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, how long? And it's just like, that is a... But then you have, like, the person who's won the most Tonys is who? Audra. And she's a Black woman. And so in... The, the scheme of things, this black woman who has won all these Tonys, but there's only eight shows that has been all black. It does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then you think about the producers and how 
black people haven't ever produced anything until this year, mm-hmm. you know, um, not fully produced, you know, until this year. And it's like how difficult it is to produce on Broadway, how difficult it is to get the subject matter on Broadway. And I'm learning now, like I'm dealing with how difficult it is now. Yeah. Like no matter if you're on TV, no matter if you have a thought, like it doesn't matter. It is a society. Yeah. Um, but I won't stop until it happens for me. So and it's it's a gentleman's club also. It's you know, just getting investors. It's it's just it's what's so wild to me is that there are people around this industry that will spend twenty five thousand dollars on bottle service, hmm. but they won't spend twenty five thousand dollars investing in a unit in a Broadway show. Hmm. And that's what gets me is that I'm I'm literally just you would rather spend twenty five thousand dollars in one night than get a new fresh musical to Broadway, and with a perspective that we've never seen before. Yeah, it's also though when it comes to that kind of thing, I just have to take it out of my mind because I cannot understand someone who does not care about art. Yeah, enough that they would do pay for bottle service and not that like I cannot it's really hard for me to understand and it makes me crazy because I understand and I also just have eyes and I understand the effects on art the effects of art I'm sorry on the community and the culture at large and how art is the only way that we've gotten by with anything you, I compl- no, I completely agree with you. And you know, in creating our own spaces as us multi hyphenates, we do. You have mm-hmm. two projects that you've been working on. Uh, one is Riley, which we've talked a little yes. bit about, and mm-hmm. Riley is a compelling musical drama comedy which follows six young students through their collegiate matriculation at a historical public black school in the Bayou. After the freshman class of 2020 enter these university halls, it will never be the same. As if getting through school isn't hard enough, this these six friends must make it through life. Each of them from different backgrounds, regions, and different races, all here at one place for one purpose. So tell me about the process of writing the show. I, oh, man. We, we tapped into it a little bit, but I want to know, I want to know why, and I want to know mm-hmm. how, and I want to yeah. know what's to come. Yeah, so... Um, Riley is my baby. It's the first thing I ever wrote. Um, I started writing it in 2017 and it initially started off just like a a play is Mm -hmm. what it was. Um, and then it became a film (laughs) and then it went back to a play. Mm -hmm. And then I, I kept feeling like things were missing. Um, conventions were missing and then it was overwritten. So then I had to take things away. But what was missing truly was the music. Um, there was something musical about the black college experience, uh, the black experience at large. There's something musical about everything we do, the rhythm that we, our soul, our step, the way that we speak, it's just rhythmic. Love it. Um, we are rhythm, we are, and our heartbeat is, is percussion. That's what I always say. And when I added the music and and I and I wrote the show in my favorite, you know, uh, style of music theater, which is Rest of the Teeth, 
um, I knew that I had like a monster on my hand, man. It deals with um, just a little bit about the show. It deals with a similar experience to mine in high school um, where a black football player was awarded a scholarship to go to a um, predominantly white high school, private school, very large school because he was a great football player. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a white girlfriend and he decides that, you know, he is she and her family decides that wherever he goes to college because everybody's trying to recruit him that she'd go to she's like along for the ride of mm-hmm. course we see that happen all the time and um doesn't quite work out that well because he decides to go to a small black school mm-hmm. instead of the big you know the big lsu's the big notre dames the you know big alabama and of course the problems that come after that are crazy he goes to the school and then she goes to the school like she shows up it's a whole thing and so the story deals with how this black school um matures everyone it mm-hmm. it it because we all grow in college we go to college we learn so much but oh, yeah. the traditions and the customs and the ideas that were founded and developed at these black schools based on um just the, one of the only places that um, whiteness wasn't required for success um, in the black community there. And, and obviously they have their issues like the funding for black schools today is awful in America, like awful. And it, they really, really struggle because of it. But the, the, the pride and the, um, even the structure is so different. Like it's so different than, other schools it's just a very special place and um, i want people to see that i want people to experience that and because there's a pride about going to a black college and finishing at a black college that is unrivaled i mean even down to the you know there's a, a girl who was on a dance team there and we we studied that we, we see the dance team and the, the techniques that they use, do on the black college dance teams in the marching band and the cheerleaders are different they're just different they have a, it's a different vibe and the the music and the student government and the homecoming like it's just all totally different and it's also in new orleans and so it has that jazz mm, uh, love it being all over it and it i think it's a beautiful story and i can't wait it's gonna it it'll be on broadway and it will sweep the tonys remember that remember that record this Hey, I, I already see when the Tony nominations come out, we're going to do an audiogram on my Instagram being like, you heard it here first, folks. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And you won't have to wait long for it either. I'm pushing for it, man. I'm killing myself. I'm pushing for it. So um, I'm excited about Riley. Very, very excited about Riley. I love that, which which you mentioned earlier is not a real college, but it is. Um, no, it's but it is a college in the store. Yep, I created the college, and Riley is my grandmother, who's my best friend. Her maiden name. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. I totally yeah. understand about tight relationships with your grandparents. My, I'm very, yes. very, very. My grandma is my best friend as well, so I, I understand yeah. that. Um, and then you also. You also have Georgia Sky, which is a new film produced yeah. and written and starring you. And in Georgia yes. Sky, Levi, Ryan, and Tamika, three childhood friends, reunite in their hometown for one purpose. Or so they think. Soon they all realize that their true purpose is simply home. Yeah. Georgia Sky is a, a musical film as well. I wrote music for that. Cool. 
many of I'm a song and dance man, so many of the things that I do will have music and like I'm that guy. But um, Georgia Sky is set in Atlanta, um, and it's about three friends who are dealing with gentrification actually, um, because that is a thing here. I just bought a home in Atlanta, and that is what incited like the story wow. to be written. There's a community center near my home, and my home is new, but my home is the only new home in my development. This development has been for a long time and I see the people leaving and I see the new homes being like, I see like the preparations, I'm watching it happen. And so I thought about a story about a community center because there's a community center nearby and it seems like there's nothing happening there. And so what I dream about is like, what did this community center look like 30 years ago? And so this story is about three friends who have grown up in a community center, but then they left, they went to their different places. And then when they come back, they're only coming back because the community center is being threatened of being like shut down and turned into something else. They realize that like one of the friends has something to do with it. Like she's gone and become a lawyer. And so she's like working with the people. It's just a, it's a beautiful story about uh, love and friendship. And it's a happy ending. It's a cute little holiday story, but um, the subject matter is always going to be something real for me. And so, Georgia Sky is just about, you know, there's a lyric that says, and you can't forget where you learn how to fly when you look up at the sky. The the little child within you won't let you lose the sight of where you dreamt your first dreams every night. Mm. So it's just about um, never forgetting like how important home is and what home truly is. And um, I just love stories about the heart like stories that come from the heart meaning like from the experiences and so most things that I write even because I've like set this new goal of like writing a short and a pilot at least one short and one pilot every month this year it's been like it's like my new year's That's thing awesome it's a lot and so please know today is the 31st and I'm not finished <laughs> um and so you know when it comes to the stories that I write they all come from just experiences that I, I could write forever about the life that I live and I'm only 30 which is just proof that there are so many stories to be told that are not being told. And I find that to be interesting. I find a lot of people don't want to tell stories. I'm like, well, mm. I, I, I'll, I'll meet with people and I'm just like, you know, they want to pick my brain about being a multi-hyphenate. And I'm like, you can do it. You can do it too. Just you all have perspective. Just start writing. And I met with a lot of people that don't, that don't want to do it. They don't want, they want to be told what to do, where to stand, all that good stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. But what are you going to do in between? You, you know, Kushner, what I've learned is that everybody, the reason why multi-hyphenation is um, something that is so special is because it's just not something that everyone can do. It's true. It's true. Um, I think, I think people, I think everyone can do it, but it's, I, it's not a skill thing. Yeah. It's not about skill. It's about heart. It's about heart. And mind. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's sort of cracked the code as to finding success in this industry. And it's something that has been in a, an oppressed idea in this industry for so long. If you do anything else other than your craft, you are not a real actor. If you mm -hmm. think about oh, if you think about anything else, then you're not this, then you're not that. 
you back in my day we didn't do that you mm-hmm. only auditioned and you and you sang and then you went on to the next show we didn't do any of this producing it's like well we do now we do now because why not and who better to produce a show than a showman exactly i think that there's also like the notion or this like myth of performance not being able to do anything but mm-hmm. and also there's you know there's failure i have a lot of people that are like i don't even know where to start I'm like start small start with an idea create a team talk it out with people that you've always wanted to collaborate with just mm-hmm. do tiktoks and instagram posts and and write things out just start throw it out there see who follows you it doesn't you do not have to start out writing the next great american musical you do not have to start that way just see what see how you like telling stories and see how it can grow and that is a huge key in multi-hyphenating you do not have to start big you can start small Brian Jordan Jr., you have been an absolute pleasure to talk with today, and I look forward to collaborating with you again soon. Where can we find you on social media? All my handles are Brian Jordan Jr. That's on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, which I have one TikTok video. Um, I should do better. It's stressful. Stresses Um, me out. Stressful. At Brian Jordan Jr. on everything. It's been great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I've truly enjoyed myself. Of course, you're amazing. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Patrick, who's engineering this episode. Thanks to Alan and Dory and Katie and Yo. You're all fantastic. Please follow Dear Multi Hyphenate on Instagram at Dear Multi Hyphenate or my personal Instagram account at The Michael Kushner. And subscribe, download, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And if you want to be on the show or you just want to ask a question, you can email me at dearmultihyphenate at gmail.com or submit on my website at www.dearmultihyphenate.com. Brian Jordan Jr., you're incredible. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.